With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Hey everybody, Holden here. And I'm Jake. And we are so excited to tell you about the last podcast network, Country Jamboree in Nashville, Tennessee, at the historic Ryman Auditorium on June 18th. Holy shit, Jake, this is going to be amazing. Now, I know what you're thinking, what is a Country Jamboree for a podcast network? Well, it's a <laughs> super show where literally all the shows from the last podcast network will be gracing the stage. We're talking the OG boys, last podcast on the left, page seven with uh, Holden McNeely, uh, with in the Bruiser with also Holden McNeely, No Dogs in Space, Brighter Side, Fraudsters. Fraudsters. Someplace underneath, the story must be told. Fraudsters. It's going to be an incredible show. Fraudsters is definitely going to be there. It's going to be an incredible show. Come check it out. Again, that's Nashville, Tennessee, June 18th, Ryman Auditorium, Last Podcast Network, Country Jamboree. Don't miss it. Tickets available now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very special episode of Wizard and the Bruiser, a very Holdenless one. Isn't that interesting? That's why I'm glad I get to do this introduction with you, Jake. Holden, I asked you to buy a plane ticket across country to go to a dingy collectible shop in the middle of suburban New York with me, and you said, that seems like a bit much. I don't want you. Please, my baby requires so much attention. And I was like, I thought you cared about Funko Pops. And apparently, there's a line you just won't cross. Just would rather go to the really cool Hollywood store instead. It's very big. It's a lot of giant, you know, it's a giant, uh, amazing event that's here, that's in my town. Then that's where you'll just get the corporate bullshit, man. I have got the real on the ground, Funko slinging, true confessions of a goddamn pop dealer. And I was so excited to have this conversation with Chris at uh, Undiscovered Realms. And I think we really touched on a lot of uh, just just weird things that you don't think about when you just see a Funko Pop on a shelf. Right, right. And, uh, you know, if you still have questions, if you were still in the Funko mind space from last week, I think this will give you a lot to chew on. And hey... Hey, who doesn't love learning about uh, sell-through rates on mega crates? Yeah, yeah. I loved, I, I think the response to our first episode, too, was 
really really fun i think everybody ha- it's it's such a fun like love hate relationship that people have with funkos unless you're like the most avid collector uh, you all we all view them in this bizarre how did we get to this place way and uh so yeah i, th- I think it's really great to see the evolution at an actual shop an actual like hobby shop because that is really where the invasion happened the most prevalently you know mm-hmm. i mean from not just not just a mom and pop type of thing, but as we saw with GameStop, I mean, I remember, I still, it's clear in my head, I went to the GameStop off of Union Square. There were two at the time, by the way. I think at least one of them is closed at this point, but uh, it was the one on the um, west side of the square. And uh, yeah, just walking in and seeing way less video games on the shelves (laughs) and way more Funko Pop specifically as well, some other geek style, you know, we're the geeks, people, group or whatever and uh we've got the toys so yeah it's in this interview you will hear a first-hand experience on how this hobby kind of became funkified and what it meant from a on-the-ground retail perspective and uh you know what it's like for collectors and sellers and how it affects the entire collectibles landscape i think it's really fascinating and i hope you will too hell yeah thanks again jake for doing this and enjoy the show Hey, everybody. It's Jake. I'm actually doing a live remote, which is uh, very uncharacteristic. Usually this this level of effort and uh, semi-dedication, do not get used to it. Do not get accustomed to water or you will thirst more. I just really was curious to get to the bottom of uh, a lot of unanswered questions within this week's topic, the, the cultural consumer phenomenon of the Funko Pop. So I made my way over to Undiscovered Realm in White Plains, a... I'm going to say, if you have not been to a small business, actual, like, fan-owned comic book fandom collector store in a while, this is a great place to reconnect with your childhood because, my God, I have I, I, I feel connected to my inner 12-year-old once again. They have games, they got uh, miniatures, they got collectibles, they got magic cards, they got all sorts of things, and in the front room, filling as far as the, your human eyeball can perceive from floor to ceiling... Thousands of beady black eyes staring back at you because this is one of the foremost providers, sellers of Funko Pops in New York. And I have one of the owners with me right now. Uh, Hello. Hi. uh, (laughs) uh, What is your name? My name is Chris uh, Wilcock. And yeah, I'm one of the owners of Undiscovered Realm and uh, ready to answer whatever questions you got. So what's your history in the collectibles market? When did you open this store? Because like you definitely didn't intend day one to be like, I am going to be a Funko Slinger. No, no. Yeah, so um, I've been collecting most of my life, definitely since I was a teenager for sure. I I always was interested in toys and stuff as any kid is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started playing Magic when I was around 11 years old, back in 95. I'm I'm old. and uh, You're in good company. Yeah, yeah. And... uh, and I ended up going to a local store uh, at the time called Dragon's Den uh, that was here. Um, and uh, I met one of my uh, – all my friends basically at that time is, is where I met everybody and one of them being my business partner, Ralph, who we opened the store with. So anyway, we, we were always big collectors. We always kind of were in the financial side somewhat because we would try to buy and sell stuff to offset our costs for mm-hmm. collecting ourselves. And, you kind of have um, to do yeah, that at a certain – Yeah, exactly. And then when you're playing card games like – it's literally in in the DNA of the game is trading, buying and selling mm-hmm. cards to you know get the ones you need, and then one by one all the local stores just kind of disappeared, and there was nothing here for a, a few years. Um, and we were like, we always talked about it since we were kids, and we were like, 
you know what, let's just do it. And we opened the store. Was we, it more as a place to buy or a place to play or? Uh, a little of everything. You know, we wanted it to be, I, I already had, I own a, a big tattoo shop also in White Plains. Um, I, I should note, I, I can only see your sleeves and they are a uh, pop art fucking yeah, gallery. Yeah, tons of toys and, and cartoons. Is that the Melancholy like that. and Infinite yes. Sadness? Oh, oh, oh that's my that's God. That's my favorite album of all time. Just awesome. Billy Corgan and yeah, Thundercats yeah, yeah, yeah. hanging out on this man's <laughs> arms right now. It's sweet, amazing. Sweet, sweet. You have good taste, too. So, yeah. So, I already had some business experience, and I've been managing stores and then running on my own and blah, blah, blah. So, we kind of just pulled everything, and we did it. And to answer your question, it was, yeah, we wanted a business, but also we wanted somewhere to play. And we all met each other, like I said, and we grew up in that environment. And we basically lived in Dragon's Den when it was open, open to close every day that we could. And there was none of that anymore. So, yeah, some of it was financial and business set, but some of it was just wanting that environment, seeing little kids come in here and make their friends that maybe they're going to be friends with for 20 years or something like that. And, uh, you know, we started on the absolute shoestring budget and our own card collections. And I, I really don't know how we survived. Just we had so many friends over the years that played Magic. They all came and we were just playing all day and all night for a while. There was a lot of nights where the sun was coming up and we were still there. And, um, and that's just kind of what got us through. Like, And then if we... We made 20 bucks that week. You know, we bought $20 more worth of stuff after bills and, and just repeat, 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 repeat until we got where we, we are, you know, and it's, it's you know, it, it's grown dramatically, obviously. But to also answer your Funko question, I hated Pops when they first came out um, mm-hmm. as like a collector of action figures and stuff like that. Not that they're like super articulate and crazy now, but when they first came out, if you look at some of those, they're like horrible designs. The quality control is awful. Like... The, the example I always use is uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. If you look at the first Sonic the Hedgehog pop, he looks like a guy like robbing a bank dressed as Sonic <laughs> like, uh, and his like face is melted. It's just horrible. And and um, what really turned me off, I was a huge Simpsons fan, still am, and that was one of the first pops that ever came out and I just hated the way they looked as pops. And I was like, screw these things. I'm not buying these. And uh, so that was like the first year. You're yeah. talking about like 2010, like that 2011, initi- yeah, 2011, that initial uh, year. Were you buying like the bobbleheads from them? Were uh, there? Yeah, I had a couple like Star Wars Force Ghost bobblehead. Not, I had no idea it was Funko. It was just stuff yeah. that I got from like Comic Con and stuff like that. So anyway, but eventually, they, I was a huge collector of Lilo and Stitch stuff, and they made Stitch. So I'm like, oh, you know what? This one looks good. Let me buy <sighs> Stitch to add to the collection. And um, and as it is, it's a gateway. Uh, and Stitch actually has a big squarish head yeah, and big black eyes. Yeah, so it, it didn't works. look like it was shoehorned in, you know. Yeah. And the quality was nice because it's Disney and they make you – they're not going to let you release a half-assed eye thing. Anyway, I started to get into it and it started to gain steam and I was like, you know what? These are pretty good. And we kind of dove headfirst into it. It was a matter of some luck and, you know, being in the right place at the right time and some foresight. But – we got into it at pretty much not as early as you could, but as close to that as possible. And uh, we were, you know, we just grew with it. And it, you know, a couple years later, it exploded and we were in the right place. So I'm working within the collector's market. Yeah. There's, you know, whether it was Wizards of the Coast and Magic Cards mm-hmm. or Diamond and Comic Books, or I'm sure there's a million other examples where there's one company is in complete control of like the must have item. Yeah. What is. How does it feel, you know, is it just about adapting to the company's needs? Is it, it's, it seems like a very weird power differential when like everything that your customers are begging for is coming from this one company and you're at their mercy. Yeah, that's, that's never fun. You, you really are because you have like 
hundreds of different fandoms all clamoring for the same type of item. Whereas, you know, somebody that wants to play cards is going to care about magic and somebody that wants to do building is going to care about Lego and blah, blah, blah. But like, if you care about Silicon Valley on HBO and you want to figure for it, or you care about Disney or Marvel, or you name it, there's a pop for it. And so, yeah, it, it is hard. And as great as Funko is, they definitely had some real growing pains and a lot of logistic issues over the year that make it really difficult from the retailer side. So the comparison that I feel like a lot of Funko uh, enemies, fo- foes, Funko yeah. foes, bring up is they always bring out the Beanie Babies yeah, comparison yeah. or the Pogs comparison. But the fact of the matter is you met you got started in 2011. It's 2022 right now. That is 10 years, 12 years is not a fad. Is there something yeah. that you attribute to that? Is there what are they doing that is letting them buck the odds? Yeah, a hundred percent. And like you said, that's the number one argument. Oh, it's just the next Beanie Babies. Yeah, that that worked for the first year or two or three or four or five. You're right. It, we're over ten years in now. If it was going to go away, it would have. <laughs> um, and, and honestly, if you had asked me like four years ago, I would say, yeah, maybe we're getting towards the end of this, right? But like now, I, I really don't see an end. There's just so many things in sight. But the reason I think it's different and it didn't become that is because they have so many licenses because like all right beanie babies like yeah it was cool and it was you know literally a fad the definition of a fad but like you don't care about red fox number seven right but like i care about back to the future i care about star wars i care about marvel like these are things that you grew up with and love and properties that you literally care about in your soul you know it's your personality um, and that's that's the difference. I mean, like you're not collecting just random animals. You're collecting things that you love your whole life and make up, you know. And, and one of the things I think really differentiates it too, and is the strongest point, is because there are so many different licenses. You can have like where before I might need a statue for this fandom and an action figure for this one and this for that. You can have a pop for each different thing and have one line that unites all the things you love into one, you know cohesive collection which is the first time in history that's really ever been possible there's no other company on the planet that could have even remotely as many licenses as they do it's it's really amazing that they were able to pull that off the image of like a a a a a nerd collector's bedroom just littered with like a prop master sword from legend of zelda and like a, a action figure line from the 1980s and just all this clutter exactly where that same expression can kind of come in a unified format, in yep, a way. Yep. Do you think the price point? I mean, are they still ten dollars? Oh, oh yeah, that, a that, pop. That is a major. Um, they were ten dollars forever. Maybe a few dollars less when they first came out. Nine dollars, eight dollars, depending where you went. And then ten was like the average. Um, they did for the first time in history. Um, late last year, they did a map, which is uh, minimum advertised price. A lot of collectibles do that so that people aren't like selling at cost and devaluing everything. Um, of twelve dollars. So you're literally not allowed to sell them for less than $12 unless, like, it's damaged or every so often they'll give you a period where, okay, for the next three weeks you can sell them, you know, at this much. And it's good that they do that because you'll have, like, online sellers like even Amazon, you know, or just other people that, like, are just a numbers game. They're trying to churn. And we can get into a little more later when we talk about exclusives and stuff like that, why it's a problem that you could sell them so cheap. You know, they'd sell it for like 50 cents over cost and, you know, just churn out a million of them a year. And it becomes a numbers game at that point where like a regular retailer can't do that. You'd be out of business in a month. So literally they'd be, well, yeah, I guess we'll talk about the exclusives, but like 
churning through just to get their score with the Funko sales department up? Is yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. So like, you know, you, you could sell, but you, you know, if you sell a million pops at a dollar profit each, that's a million dollars in profit, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to run a store and you're selling a few thousand of them, you can't you no. know, stay solvent from, from that. You know, so now nobody's allowed to sell it under 12. Everybody has the same profit margin. It also, they raised the price on the back end too. The wholesale costs went up as well, mm-hmm. along with that because of shipping and factory costs and like everything else in the world right now is going through the roof. So this store is a little bit out of the way. It's definitely not a foot traffic kind of place. Yeah. Well, we're, um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, we're in New York, which as anybody knows, rent is through the roof. Um, we're also in like, the suburbs of New York City, so it's even worse um, than probably almost anywhere in the country. And the margins on collectibles are not great. So you, you except factor all these things Except together. when they extremely are. Well, yeah, but that's usually something that, you know, you can't replace it. You know, that's yeah. like a, a rarity or something like that. So you're going to sell that once or twice in your life. Mm-hmm. Never mind. You know, it's not something you can keep ordering and selling. <laughs> so, you know, you combine insane costs with low margins and that's not a good mix (laughs) and it's not like you know when you go to Times square and get a steak you know you're going to pay three times the price as you are in like alabama but a pop cost in alabama would it cost in new york Mm -hmm. and unfortunately so you kind of have to be off the beaten path a little bit to have even remotely affordable rent and the cool thing is it's it is such a niche thing that like people are going to find you once they know you're there they're loyal they're coming looking for you they'll deal with it it's not like um this is our second location where we used to be like down the road on the main strip. But like there was always food restaurants opening and closing every right, three right, months right. there because no one's going to st- – the parking's annoying. It's a pain in the ass to stop there. So they're just going to drive five more minutes up the road where it's easy to stop and get a hamburger. right? Yeah. But you can't do that for this stuff. So they'll go out of their way a little bit to come to us. And uh, you know, so it's unique in that sense. So I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, people come here specifically for the pops. They also come here for – a lovely collection of board games, retro collectibles. Yeah. Actually, an incredible selection. There's different stuff. Check it that. out if you're in the tri-state area. And online. <laughs> <laughs> and online. But is there a community of actual, like, they're here for not just Marvel, not just Star Wars. They are fans of fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we do have a good mix of different customers and collectors for sure. But our, our number one customer is definitely just pop collectors. And... You know, you can go to Hot Topic and get pops. You can go to Target. You can go wherever. FYE, you know, you name it. You can go online. We stand out for a bunch of reasons. One, we stock almost everything. We are very organized. Like, we have Marvel shelf, DC shelf, movie shelf, anime, so on and so forth. Where you go to these other stores, everything's all over the place. They're damaged. They're jumbled. There's a clearance bin full of Mordos. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. So, our selection's unparalleled. Um, we also deal with a lot of older stuff, like, you know, Hot Topic's not going to be selling stuff from 10 years ago, you mm-hmm. know. Um, we deal with the rare stuff, the high-end stuff, autograph stuff, like, exclusive. So we, we try to have as it all, you know. So we stand out there. We know the product. You know, you go to Target and you ask them and they're like, they shrug at you and, you know, they don't know what the hell you're talking about. We know it, you know, very, very well because this is all we do all day and night <laughs> most of the week. So, yeah, so it's a good thing. We have people sometimes driving from three, four hours away to come to us, which is, like, really flattering. But, like, I feel so bad because, you know, we do have a huge selection and whatever. But, you know, it's like if that's a lot of – the yeah. – uh, I'm yeah. trying to – Yeah, whatever I was literally trying to think of an, a hilariously obscure character to have a Funko Pop. And there, it's, there's no point of trying to make that joke. Because every, <laughs> they have if it, they yeah. ha- If it's worth making a reference, they exist. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We used to do that too. We're like, oh, you know. One day they're going to make and sure enough, they made it. You, know, like, you name it, it's out there. And if it isn't, it's going to be. Like Before we're dead, there's going to be a pop of everything. 
So from the beginning to the end of the process, uh, how do you get a pop figure from Funko into the hands of a customer that just wants a goddamn yeah, Demon yeah. Slayer Taijiro well, so bad? Yes, yes. So I love talking about this because this is the side of things that the customer doesn't see. And, you know, most of the customers are great. I'd say 98% of them are phenomenal, awesome, wonderful people. But there are some people out there that just have no concept of reality or how things work. Like, literally, like, why is my item delayed? You know, you know. what do you mean there's a global pandemic and shipping's backed up six months and, you know, factories are shut down? Like, why, why isn't my item here right now? You know, mm-hmm. you said it would be here. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we do the best we can. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Basically, the process is we get, and it's changed over the years, but the current process is uh, we get an order form. Like I got one yesterday for October. So I'm ordering for the stuff that's coming out in October right now in May. And they send a solicitation. I tell them how many pieces we want, and they put that in. There's a couple. We, we can go into that later. There's some things that suck with that process. But anyway, that's what we do. And then in a perfect world, October comes, and they ship us what we ordered and how many we ordered. They come into us. Now, a lot of times, we you know we only ship out mint stuff, but we do grade it. So, like, let's say Demon Slayer, like you just mm-hmm. mentioned. That was a huge, probably the best-selling pops we ever had. Um, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So we got hundreds of each one. We literally have to open every case. They come six per case and then six cases of six, 36 and a master case is what it's called. We open every one. We examine every side of every box. Mint ones go here. Uh, and then we have, this is something that a lot of other stores don't do, but we grade. So we have mint shelfware, which is like very minor stuff, light box damage, box damage, heavy box damage. And then we price it accordingly to the damage. What's, um, what's the difference between mint and bo- and heavy box? Um, it could be anywhere from twelve dollars mint down to five dollars for something that's really damaged. You know, um, yeah. under cost, yeah, because you know it's 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 damaged. The figure's always good, but the box is just smashed. The collector's market is that dominant. That yeah, yeah, and there it. there are some people that don't care at all. But I, I mean, Best Buy would never. Oh no, and they won't. And but that's you know that's where we stand out. You know, um, so if you are a collector, you know that you're going to get something that is flawless. If we say it is, uh, we're going to. Pack it extremely well. It's not Amazon where we're going to throw it in a box that's the size of a, you know, a vacuum. A box, ooh la la, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fancy, yeah. man. I Maybe get a- you get one piece of bubble wrap that's floating around on the other side of the canyon of the box, and and it's smashed to all hell. So that's where we stand up. But anyway, so we examine every single one. I mean, that alone is an insane amount of labor, hours, time. You know, you, you name it. Um, frustration, and you know, and then we we do that. Sometimes we could get hundreds in, and eighty percent of them could not be mint. It, it happens, or 
you know, they come on pallets and a forklift happened to just crash through one of the boxes. We've had literally boxes speared through by the forklift thing. And you're like, what is this? Decapitated pops, you know, you name it, you name it, it happens. And that's really frustrating when we're filling orders, because if we pre-ordered you know, X amount and we ordered twice as many as we even pre-ordered and we still don't have enough to fill the order, it's, it's a nightmare. So, yeah, so we do that and then they go on the website or they come into the store and people order. We, we fulfill them and we're very particular with how we wrap them, package them so they come flawless to you. We stand by our guarantee. If something happens in transit, you know, we'll replace it for you. I still can't it. get over the box quality thing. Oh, it's, I, it's, it's it feels big. like the, you know, this it's not like a fantastic four number one. It's not like. I know. But what, you know what? People say that. And one of the things, like I said, we do deal with high end pops from back in the day. Most of those pops from back then are in horrible condition because people were like, this is $10. I don't give a shit. Or like a lot of the San Diego ones are funny because there's like 48 of them in existence or 400 of them in existence. But they were all in like some guy's book bag getting pounded by the crowd at Comic-Con all day because they didn't care. So finding one of those in like great condition is like literally almost impossible. So, you know, today's $10 pop might be next year's $500 pop. And, you know. We, we see that happen all the time. I'm like, what happened to this? Like, oh, I just, it was a common. I didn't think it was ever going to be anything. So I threw it in the bin or it was in the back of my closet. Or, so, so you mentioned that uh, you have to order them months in advance. Yeah. But if it's something as personal as an MCU movie, I'm rolling my eyes yeah. as I'm saying that. But something like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, when, if nobody's seen the movie, how would you even know yeah. that like, Groot was going to be the favorite? Okay, so that's that's a great question, and that's something I meant to mention while we were talking, and I totally forgot. So thanks for bringing that up. Uh, uh, that, Doctor Strange just came okay, out, yeah. and there's so, like, uh, spoiler characters. Do you know who made like the, fun, the fancy Yeah, game? yeah. So here's the thing. We don't most of the time. Now, this is twofold. Like I will uh, – I can't say specifically, but there's a DC movie coming out at the end of the year. I mean it's not a secret that it's coming out, <laughs> but – on the order form, it just said little brother, pop one, pop two, pop three, pop four, sorry, pop five, pop six, and so on. And I'm like, what the hell is a little brother? And I had a call and they're like, because they can't put it in writing and they tell me, oh, it's this movie. But I still don't know what character it is. Mm-hmm. So there's 10 of them. So I will use Doctor Strange as, as case in point. I have to order like a ton of them because f- for every Doctor Strange or Wanda, there's like some character nobody's ever going to buy and I don't know which one's which. And so I ordered hundreds of each. And then one of them ended up being the Minotaur guy that's in the background for like three minutes. Like, no one's buying that pop. Like, that's going to, we're going to die with those. You know what I mean? So it's really, you have to be really careful in it. It's scary. And they even do it with other things. Like, there's just code names and and we don't know. We don't know the character. We don't know anything. Groot is a great example because if you remember, there was no baby Groot toys for months. Everybody in the world wanted a baby Groot and it was just nothing because they didn't want to spoil it. Same thing with Baby Yoda. Two of the most demanded toys in history, and it took six months before there was anything on the market for that reason. So, yeah, that is very hard, very frustrating, or, um, you know, you just don't know it's going to be a hit. Like, WandaVision, everybody underordered that like crazy because it was, like, one of the first MCU shows. Nobody knew what it was going to be. And then, like, the pops came out, and they were, like, $30 at release because nobody had them. Mm. And the show was so popular, everyone's looking for them. And it took six, six to nine months before the market caught up because these things take that long to get made and shipped over. So is Funko constantly reissuing and remolding popular characters or at a certain point when you're done, you're done? Like, I know they just uh, the uh, Alex, the Moog from Clockwork Orange was Mm -hmm. something people said was like an early rare pop that was really valuable. And apparently they just finally re-released them. Well, to use that example specifically, yeah, there was like a Clockwork Orange pop. They didn't have the license for it or anything. It was made, I think there was like 
10 or 15 of them. It wasn't much. They gave out to friends, family, whatever. So that's why that one was so crazy. Like, uh, you couldn't even buy it. It was a handful of them in the world. But then they did later get the license and they made like a commercially available Alex. So to answer your question, pops don't stay in production forever. If it's something eternal that just sells forever, like you could still buy Stitch, like, like mm-hmm. I was talking about earlier. That's from 2012 maybe and it's still in production because it's just an eternal pop that everybody's still buying. They are going to have the Disney license forever. So there's a couple of things at play. One, they have to license these out. So if they lose the license or they decide not to renew it because it's not worth it for cost-wise, they can't make those anymore. That could happen three months later or three years later or whatever number. Um, that happened with, I, I believe this is accurate, but this is what I was told. Like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, they came out like in the last quarter of the year they came out two years ago. They only had the license till the end of that year. So whatever they made during that time is out there and that's it. So the, yes, they could renew it if the licensor wants to. But they have to look like, you know, we already sold this many. Is there that much more demand for it to be worth renewing this license, which could be hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars? So there's that. When they stop making them, it's called vaulting. Um, they've vaulted the pop. So, yeah, whatever's out there or in the pipeline is still there, but they're not making any more ever again. And that's where you start to see, like I said before, today's $10 pop could be hundreds of dollars in a year or two. And uh, Can collectors know the difference between a first run, a second run? Somewhat. Sometimes this is another thing that's kind of a weird quirk with Funko. Like there are little date stamps on the bottom of the box Mm -hmm. that uh, say when it was produced. So you can kind of tell. Um, But sometimes they change the boxes as as wave two, wave three. It's the same pop, but they might have updated their legal warning on the bottom Mm -hmm. or the, you know, choking hazard warning or their logo or something. And it will be different. I can give you a specific example of that where it becomes a problem. So Funko will reprint stuff um, if there's demand for it once there's a certain amount on order. So I'm just going to use a round number here. This isn't accurate. But let's say there's 5,000 more on order. They go, okay, this is enough to send it to the factory and make it. Whether that's one place that ordered 5,000 or you know 500 places that ordered 100, it doesn't make a difference. One place, it's a store that I know, I'm friends with, they ordered John Wick and they ordered – Enough to trigger the reprint themselves. Wow. A huge amount, yeah. Because at the time, the chase was going for like $80. It was a no-brainer. Funko changed the box somewhat, just the warnings and blah, blah, blah. Ended up looking like some of the fakes that are out there on the market. And because they were the only store that had that version of it, everybody was like, oh, these are fakes that you're selling because this doesn't exist. So that's a very like specific scenario, but it is something that can happen. Um, and um, there are a lot of uh, Chinese fakes out there, um, you know, like – Pops that are worth hundreds of dollars that you can buy on eBay for 15 bucks. And they're very good. There's some that are like literally you have to look at those warnings to tell the difference. And then sometimes the fake warning ends up being on the real one when they reprint it again and you're in trouble. And there's very tiny things you have to look at to figure it out. But it's scary. (laughs) Uh, So that is – I mean it would almost be built into the very nature of the product that they are – uh, so simple and so easy to replicate. Yeah. They don't, you know, there's not no articulation, no, uh, you know, most, the paint is just whatever is molded into the core colors mm-hmm. of the plastic. Yeah. So like something that can be so easily replicable shouldn't have such a vibrant collector's market. But, uh, let me roll back a second. Yeah, you yeah. said you thought maybe the trend or not that, you know, the term I've been trying to like kick around in my head is the Legofication of Funko Pop. Mm-hmm. That at a certain point now it's just here. It is just an aesthetic. It is just it has its, it's own part eye on of the, the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's united by a uh, lang- uh, design language, and mm-hmm. like it is just a form of toy that we will have forever. 
you said it was going to go, you, you, you had your doubts five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. I, you know, a few years back, you know, I'd say the last three or four years, I definitely, I'm like, all right, this isn't going anywhere. You know, there's enough new things and they've shown that people will continue to buy the same character 400 times if done properly, you know? So they're never going to run out of stuff to make. Mm-hmm. There's new movies, there's new TV shows, there's new cartoons, there's new... I mean, the, their stock price just jumped this past week because they got a huge uh, investment from some... Firm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, uh, you know, I can't... I legally, I can't say certain things about Funko because we have to sign NDAs and stuff as a wholesaler. Um, but they've definitely not been the most well-run company over the years. Um, it definitely was like... Uh, uh, the owner was just a fan. And, you know, a lot of times he was just making stuff he wanted to see get made. And that doesn't necessarily translate into sales. It was just because it's like when I order stuff, I love, you know, I don't know, like Silicon Valley, like I talked mm. about before. One of my favorite TV shows of all time. But not a lot of people watched it. Ten year olds so, aren't having yeah, a Silicon yeah, exactly. Valley. And so, like, I party. can't be like, oh, this is one of the best shows ever. Let me order a thousand of these. <laughs> no, because I'm not the one buying them all, you know. Um, so you have to be smart. And, you know, think about what is the mass public going to want? And that kind of was a problem for them for a lot of years. They were making stuff. It was just sitting on shelves, collecting dust. They were overproducing. You know, they would try to, you know, the problem now is like, yeah, WandaVision sold out. It's going to be six months before they make more because they're being careful. They're not overproducing. But in the past, they would make like a year's worth thinking it was going to sell. Then when you have a dud on your hands, it just rots away and you sell it at a huge loss or it's taking up storage. So they've gotten better and better and better and better. Um, the last I should note to the listeners yeah. that we are sitting on taped together makeshift chairs made out of old Valerian. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, pops. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a house made out of Valerian pops. <laughs> uh, Great but, uh, insulation. Yeah, no, they're good. They're good. In the last year or two, they've, they've definitely made a lot of strides in – getting the right people in the right positions there. I think out of necessity because they were probably tanking behind the scenes a little bit more than I think the public even realized. You know, I, I, from our side, we could see all the logistical issues. It was like, it, it sometimes felt like there was just monkeys throwing darts at a board and hoping, you know, they hit the right idea, you know? It was it was that crazy. Like, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in some of those meetings. So you were there at the close to the beginning when it really was this, like, very fan-centered company uh, these, you know, this bobblehead company that yeah. hit on, is it, I, I'm looking at the kid robot display case. Mm. I, it was such a shock to realize that there really was no cultural tie between Funko and the urban vinyl movement. Uh, but it was just kind of, they dipped their toe in and found they, a way. They killed that movement. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, they did. Like I, I was, uh, much like my, my partner and a lot of other people I knew, that's that's kind of how we got into a lot of the vinyl toys and stuff like that. Like very into Kid Robot, who were kind of the Funko of the vinyl toy market, a designer yeah, yeah. vinyl at the time. But like super, super into it. I mean, that was the scene, you know. And Funko came out and just obliterated it. Kid Robot tried to play catch up and start doing licensed properties, and it was just all downhill from there for them. I mean, that stupid, sexy Flanders statue is a work of art. It's amazing. You should, you it's should, a, I, thank you. I have see, one of that, them. I have, yeah. that I put on my shelf out or on my <laughs> desk at work. See, th- there is a way to do licensed stuff and make it great. Yeah. Um, but they kind of they were in a uh, an impossible position because they pissed off the hardcore art purists mm-hmm. by doing licensed stuff. But then they're doing licensed stuff that's sixty, seventy dollars that Funko's doing for ten, right? And it was just no winning. Funny enough, Funko actually was trying to buy Kid Robot when it went under, um, and then NECA, the action figure company, yeah, yeah. owns them now. They bought them out. Uh-huh. Um, there's a Funko line called the Vinyl Idols, which you can kind of see up there. Mm-hmm. They were only out for maybe a year or so, but that was a line developed 
for Kid Robot, if they bought Kid Robot, they wanted to release those to kind of bridge the uh, oh. bridge the worlds. Um, and the Hikari and the higher-end yeah. vinyl, stuff like that. So, so that came and went. Circling back, small fan company that had a surprise hit on their hands. Yeah. Then it had to keep up with its own growth, made some mistakes along the way. Are they more so, of a streamlined corporate vendor of products now? Yeah. I mean, when they went public, um, which I guess they had to do to expand and keep going, but I think that was like the worst worst thing they ever did because – if you had a diagram of where the problems really started to rise, like literally when they went public, they had to start uh, cutting corners and profit over you know quality and find a way to make more money every year. And I, I hate that. It's the downfall of almost every company because right. it's like you could be the biggest company in the world like Apple, but if you don't make more money than you did last year, you're a failure somehow. And it's like I would be perfectly happy being the biggest company in the world <laughs> for the rest of time. Like why do I have to be even bigger, you know? Um, and then usually once you hit the three trillion dollar yeah, yeah, cash right. reserves, you can just be like, we're good. And we that's, did it. That's we usually, win. yeah, that's usually the beginning of the end for almost any company because like, how do you keep making more money? You have to sacrifice quality somewhere or something. Um, and that's kind of where all the problems went down for them and that they seem to be slowly recovering from now. But then, like you were saying last week, they got bought out by an investment firm, which also includes eBay, um, which now it says eBay will be Funko's uh, preferred, uh, you know, third-party seller, you know, um, for, like, aftermarket Funkos and stuff like that. I don't know how that's going to work, and is, I don't think they even know, but... Was there someone, uh, I guess, if, I mean, if you're not a, if you're not a collector resource where you're, like, doing the grading and actually, like, curating for yeah. a community, like, where else were you going to go? Well, yeah, no, it's true, it's true, but, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to try to regulate that? Some, I, I mean, it remains to be seen, but I thought that was very interesting terminology, <laughs> Um, so we'll see, we'll see. And then they also started selling themselves on their website, which was also kind of shitty because it's mm -hmm. like, we're not going to send you your stuff on time, but we're always going to have it right on time on our website and undercut the same mm -hmm. people we're selling to. Like a lot of really questionable decisions like that mm -hmm. for us. Um, and then it's things like getting your own exclusive is a whole process that constantly changes and just gets more and more detrimental to the stores. Uh, let's get into that actually, yeah, because sure. a huge part of especially the collector's market there's, uh, it's, you know, it's like a tiered system. There's uh, shit. It's someone's bir office birthday. I know they like uh, Parks and Rec. I'm going to get them a, a Leslie Nope. Yeah. It'll sit on their desk. I, I buy them a T-shirt. I don't even know their size. Yeah, I get them flowers. I don't know. But like, here you go. Here's the thing. I paid enough attention to remember you like this thing. It's got, you know, if you are part of the slice of humanity that is like, oh, these are cute. You'll love it if you're part of the slice of humanity that's like, where's their mouth? I wish they had a mouth. You'd be like, ew. But the uh, variants, the uh, the exclusives yeah. that you mentioned, chasers, how does that work? And how does that factor into the ecosystem as a whole? Okay. So you mentioned chases. That's good that you brought that up. Um, chases versus exclusives. All right. So chases, for those of you that aren't familiar, they come one in – they used to be one in 36 back in the day. They were a lot rarer. Now they're one in six. Not every pop has a chase, but some do. Um, so for every, like I mentioned before, they come in cases of six, one of those six will be the chase in that situation. Some places, not really so much anymore, but back in the day, they would just, you know, you bought one, you used to get one at random. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, because of the costs involved, you have to make your money on the chases. They'll sell the chase at $30, $35, uh, and then the common at normal price. Sometimes less because you're, you're ordering, like when there's a chase, we order a lot more than something that doesn't have a chase. 
Um, so you kind of dump out the comment. And it really does – like you could get uh, – I, I, Echafor did a great job in his in his uh, performance as Mordo. I'm not yeah. – I'm just using Mordo sure, as yeah, a, yeah. a character bag, yeah. <laughs> that would not <laughs> – Yeah, move. most people don't care. Yeah. Um, but like you would burden yourself with like 15 Mordos for a chance at a alternate color Doctor Strange. I assume that's what a chase would end up being. Yeah, it's usually a chase of the same character. So, like, I'll talk about, like, one of the best-selling chases of all time was Eleven from Stranger Things. The chase was her with the blonde wig, like, from mm. season one. Everybody wanted that. So, you know, again, so that one's 35 bucks. That was a great one because the common was also really popular. Like, mm-hmm. when you have a chase that's really wanted and the common is still really good, that's great. Sometimes the chase is the version everybody wants and nobody cares about the common. And you got to order, like, hundreds of commons to get enough chases to satisfy demand and then you just stuck with them forever. So that's where it gets dangerous. So anyway, but every store can have access to chases. If you're ordering pops, you know, it's it's accessible to everybody. Like, it's not an exclusive. Um, an exclusive would be like Hot Topic exclusive, Target exclusive, GameStop exclusive, you know, you name it. Um, that's only available at retail anyway from those stores. Once they're sold, then stores like us or other secondary, eBay, Amazon, whatever, will resell them on the secondary market, um, you know, for whatever their market value is. Um, so the way that works is you need to currently sell a million dollars wholesale in one year, not sell order, um, from Funko, a million dollars, not a million dollars worth of pop, like at the wholesale level. Mm-hmm. So like seven, $8 a pop, um, you know, a million divided by eight, seven. Um, and then you get access to an exclusive, um, and you have to make a very large amount of them. It's not like you can make like 500 of them or something like that. It's, I can't, again, get into the very specifics just due to NDAs and stuff like that, but thousands upon thousands upon thousands, more than you would think, um, you have to then produce. And you have to, you know, you, they don't just send them to you. You have to uh, cover the cost of that. So it's still risky. Even if you get to that tier, which is like the carrot everyone's chasing, um, if you get a bad exclusive, you could drown you and kill you because you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars just producing the thing. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Um, but if you get a really you have an good one of a doomed exclusive. Oh yeah, I mean, there's some bad ones. Uh, I don't want to throw any like store under the bus. So I'm trying to think. Of, Fye. Like, Nobody cares about Fye. Okay, yeah, all right, that's perfect. Like, um, Sam Goody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone who's um, like Fye had like a boo from Dragon Ball Z, but they had like a pink chrome one. Okay, it looked pretty cool, but like not enough to really care. Those things, like they were clearing them out for three bucks a piece, you know, uh, and you know they had to make. Many, 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 many thousands of those and this things. Was, and, that was, yeah. and you only get one shot. You only... Well, you, you kind of... Um, 
so when you get to that level, you send, okay, this is what I'm interested in making. Mm-hmm. And then Funko has to say, hey, we're already making this, which a lot of times is the case. Uh, or the licensor doesn't want us to make this. Or this is a, pr- here's what's approved out of your list. What do you want to make? And then you go from there. Um, and it's but, all just variations on the materials. Like you don't get a brand new mold. You right? could, you could. So that's that's a very good question. Um, traditionally, yeah, you could do whatever you wanted to do. Really? Um, before it was, if it was a repaint, um, you only had to make like a third of what you had to make for a new mold. Okay. Um, uh, so that, but you also, if you're going to do the exclusive, you want a lot of them because that's you want to make your money on. Now they changed it this past year where the first one you make for the year um, has to be a repaint. You don't even get a new mold. Then the second million, you can do a uh, new mold and then flip-flopping back and forth. So you can't even just go new, 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 new after that. It's repaint, new, repaint, new, repaint, new for however many millions you do. So it's really hard. When we first started, um, back in like 2012, you could just be like, hey, I want to buy 10,000 pops of this character. And they would make it for you. because Really? Yeah. yeah. Did you do that? No, no. We just missed that window. And then when we started, it was $50,000 a year. <laughs> Uh, and we, you know that was still a lot though mm-hmm. at the time. You got to remember these things weren't like they are now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we got close to that, and it was eighty thousand. And we got close to that, it was one hundred twenty thousand. We got to that, and it was a million. And and we were just chasing that for the rest of eternity. And now it's a million with the caveat of repaint new. No, so you can't even, you know. So it's it really is difficult. Um, you know, a store like Hot Topic or like I use GameStop as a great example. At their peak, anyway, they had like five thousand stores in the country. Mm-hmm. So if they just buy like put six of a pop in the store, they hit that million dollars by dividing it by all the stores. So that's why you see 30, 40, 50 GameStop exclusives in a year because they're literally ordering that much. Just It's easy. As a store with one location and a website for us to sell a million dollars, it's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of pops. That's like, I'm doing rough math here, but like $80,000 a month just in wholesale. And you have to get rid of these things. You have to store them. You have to have staff to deal with them. You have to check them for condition. You got It's just, it's crazy. So the website, uh, the grading, all of that, the secondary market is alive and well and kicking. Yeah. Um, the I know there was an $100,000 eBay sale recently. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Which is, that's like, you know, when I, back, I was a kid during the comic book speculation yeah. boom of the 90s. You know, that was that's the kind of money that like a amazing fantasy would, yeah. would get for. And it is crazy. It hasn't even been out for uh yeah. Years. So the one that you're referring to um, was a it's a Willy Wonka two pack. I want to say there's there's ten okay, of so them. fifty thousand a pop. Then yeah, yeah, it's two pops, you know, and they're just gold. They're not made out of gold. You would think for that price, they would, they're just painted gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same as the regular versions, just gold. They're in a two pack, and I think you you had to get a golden ticket to get them, or it came with a golden ticket to go to the factory. They were given out as prizes back when it came out years and years and years ago. I want to say there's ten or fifteen of them in existence. There's not very many going back to the clockwork orange thing again. Um, but like funny enough in 2019, I had one of those in my hands. Um, another seller was selling one for 15,000, which at the time was like, Oh my God, look, if somebody bought this for 15 grand, this is like a record breaking for pops, you know, but fast forward three years and a hundred thousands insane. Um, but we're getting to the point now where you do have like celebrities buying this stuff. So to them, that's like me or you spending a hundred bucks, you know, so you have to factor that into, but they are a piece of history. And if these go on, I mean, over a decade now, that's history. There's ten of them in the world potentially, and half of them could be smashed, you know, and in bad condition or lost to time, or you know. Um, so we have to think about that. You know, fifty years from now, if these things are still going, those are artifacts. Yeah. Um, 
Do you know? I mean, a, a term that gets thrown out, thrown around a lot these days is uh, the financialization of society. You know, we we've reached a point where uh, everything can become an investment. Uh, you know, yeah. there's so much money desperately trying to become more money that now we're investing in monkey JPEGs and NFTs. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, Pokemon. Right. You know, there's Wall Street investors that have like looked into Pokemon cards. Yeah. Uh, is is Funko Pop becoming a place where people are? purely looking at them as an appreciable asset more so than just a that's just for fun yeah um yeah i think with like as with any collectible there's a segment of the market that's literally there just to make money there's a segment that's just a hardcore collector and there's usually the biggest segment is just a casual person who wants a couple for their desk like you said um but there is definitely the secondary market is the major driver of things because like just like anything else, people complain. Artists are the number one thing where they complain, like, "Oh, I sold this for five hundred dollars, and somebody else sold it for five thousand. This is bullshit." And I get that. I get that because they could have made that money. But if nobody was willing to pay five thousand dollars for it, most people wouldn't spend the five hundred because it's the same thing with this. Like, if you couldn't resell these things at some point, or like, God forbid, you know, your car breaks down, you know, that that happens all the time. We buy collections from people. They need to pay their rent. They need to pay their mortgage. They lose their job. Unfortunately, they have a health problem. Their car breaks down. They have bills. You have this asset, you know, that's sitting there on your shelf that is appreciative. It's not like, you know, something you open it up and it's worth half of what you paid for it or worthless. You know, these things go up and um, it's nice to know that's there. And it, it is the major driver of things because if you if you didn't think that $10 pop could one day – yeah, maybe there's some stuff you just love. But it is also nice to know that, hey, maybe one day I can sell this for $100. And collectibles – People are realizing it now, something I realized my whole life, uh, appreciate 10 times more than almost any other investment. <laughs> like, you know, typical, I think, Wall Street's like, if you can make 3% a year on your money, you're, oh my God, it's like gangbusters. But like, you could buy pops and make 300% on your money the next day, potentially, depending what it is. Or action, for, you know, whatever, Legos. Legos appreciate more than gold. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen that article a million times. It's true. And the world's kind of starting to see it. And that, now you're starting to see real money get put behind certain things, which is dangerous, though, because you can – it's like stock market is regulated. These are not. Yeah, to a degree. Like if there's if there's 500 of this pop on the market and you have enough money, you can conceivably track down almost all the ones that are on the open market and reset the price. Mm-hmm. Now you control the market. You sell one at a time for whatever the hell you want. And that happens with magic all the time. It happens with this stuff. When you start getting Wall Street and millions of dollars behind it, and it, it gets dangerous because you could ruin it. So I, this is there's a product line that uh, since I've been just like kind of chilling out back here has I, I've never seen it before. Uh, the soda line, yeah. I know they've tried with Dorbs. I know they've tried a bunch of times to kind of like bust out of the pop. And usually shell. fail horribly, yeah. but uh, the soda line seems to be doing okay. How long has this been a thing? Soda line's great. Um, definitely their biggest hit besides Pops um, out of all the ones that they've done. Um, about three years, I want to say. Probably about a year before the pandemic. So, yeah, 2019. I, it could have been late 2018. It's all a blur the last couple of years. Um, but um, they're great. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know, every, everyone's like, oh, sodas, and they think it's a soda, you know, because why wouldn't you? They're in soda cans. I mean, it feels yeah. – Funko is the kind of company that definitely, like, say, in 2016 would have sold, like, some kind of – Bubblegum flavored Frankenberry exactly, nostalgia yeah. white label soda yeah. and called it a tie-in. Exactly, exactly. So they they're literally in Some soda Archie cans. Archie McPhee bullshit. You know what I'm talking <laughs> exactly. about? Exactly. They're literally in soda cans that are decorated like the art. So like right now we're looking at Count Chocula. It's 
It's got Count Chocula on it. It's got really cool artwork. Inside of the can, there's a small vinyl toy. And uh, it also comes with a pog um, to tie it back An actual further. pog, like yeah. a, a milk cap. Yeah, so because these Amazing. all have chases. Like we said, some pops have chases. Every soda has a chase, except for like a handful. Um, 99% of them have a chase. So one in every six is a chase version. And those are sealed. So it's not like the case when I open up the case of Six Funko. There's the chase. I know. I can pluck it out. These are all sealed. So you don't know which one's the chase. So you could buy it off the shelf and hit it at any time. And the chases could be worth, you know, five to ten times the cost. Um, so a lot of people buy them in cases of six because they want to get them all. But anyway, the POG will say, you know, the common or, hey, you, congratulations, you found the chase. Um, and uh, the chase could be a glow-in-the-dark one or metallic or, you know, whatever. Uh, but every soda is numbered, which is what's been one of the key things. <laughs> like I said, they've been making the Stitch Pop vinyl for 10 years. Um, these are one and done. Uh, and they, some of them are numbered 200 pieces. Some of them are 20,000. I've never seen one above 20,000. Um, but usually in the eight to 12,000 range for the world. Um, and, uh, or at least the country. Now they, so they, that is they a make limited cheaper. edition Count Chocula I'm looking at. Yeah. I think that one was probably like 8,000 or something like that off the top of my head. I could be wrong. Um, and there's at uh, least 8,000 people with yeah, an affinity exactly. for Count Chocula. And, but there's only one in six chase. So there's 1,200 chases. So now you think about the people that want the full set. It's very. It can get very limited, like, and they could be expensive. There's a Batman where there was, I think, only five hundred pieces or something like that. Um, and then there's the chase of it. So you're talking like, you know, not maybe it was six, like a hundred chases in the mm-hmm. world, right? So that's pretty scarce, you know. And as somebody who wants to collect them all, now there's only a hundred people that could ever collect them all, and that that one's like three four hundred dollars, you know. So yeah, and so yeah, they're really cool. Um, and they've done really, really well. And it's strictly because of the numbers thing. They're scarce. Um, you've been super generous with your time. Uh, you've been incredibly informative, and I deeply appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Um, I just want to uh, kind of end on a cultural thing. Sure. Um, a lot of, for a lot of fans, pops represent this like very specific era in nerd culture that 2008 to like 2016 MCU uh, <laughs> Star Wars yeah, good, uh, good sequel timing, yeah. boom. And, you know, when con culture ruled the world, you know, uh, everybody loved uh, going to the Nerdist.com and watching their favorite geek and sundry web series. And, you know, it was a very specific time and place. If I walk around in my Deadpool heart chimichanga (laughs) t-shirt, people will be like, all right, guy, calm down. Like, you know, there's there's, it's it's the, the culture is it's either become so mainstream that now the original fans are like, oh, you sold out. To the idea of genre fiction. Yeah. The point that I'm trying to get at is there is a backlash against Funko Pops, but is that a vocal minority? Are you seeing just... Yeah, I know what you're saying. And yeah, there's definitely a large number of people that don't like them. I think it's it's kind of lessened over the years because like they were the first ones to do the Beanie Baby argument. And like now it's kind of hard to make that argument anymore. So they kind of fallen back. But for many years, it was like, yeah, this is like, you know, the the black mark on collecting. You know, mm-hmm. this is like Fisher-Price collecting. Like, why am I going to buy this stupid little thing with no articulation when I could buy this NECA figure with, or figure arts with 50 points of articulation? That's like a work of art. Um, and they got a lot of points. I could buy a $300 statue that's amazing for the price of an old pop that just happened to be vaulted. But uh, Carol at the office is never going to buy no, a $300 no, exactly, exactly. Parks and Rec figure. And I think that's part of it. You know, you can go to Hallmark and pick up, you know, uh, whatever pop. Like you said, the Parks and Rec pop for your 
friend in the office that you know just happens to like that because there's sure as hell not going to be a Parks and Rec action figure that you're going to buy them, you know? Us, I have a unique view on this because we we do a lot of conventions around the country. And even still to this day, like, pop vendors are kind of like the punching bag. Mm -hmm. They don't give it to us because we know them all. So, but, you know, they're always like, oh, these damn pop vendors, these Mm -hmm. Funko vendors. Oh, like, the whole – because for a while, like, half the Comic-Con did turn into just pop stands, right? I mean, it's – the pandemic actually killed off a lot of the smaller ones, you know, for better or worse. I don't know. But um, it just kind of became like a blight. Like, ah, you know, all the comics are gone and now there's just – pops everywhere you know so it was like the old time you know the guys just like complain it's that comic book guy from the yeah. simpsons you know like ah so but there's it's gotten the moldy better. long boxes yeah exactly and and there, you know there is a lot to be said for that there's a place for everything <laughs> i think and i think it's balanced out a little bit and i think people just know they're not going anywhere and <laughs> they're here to stay but they're still out there um complaining <laughs> so i guess uh you know as you adapt to pandemic times as you adapt to changing cultural things I know you're doing, like, uh, what is this whatnot project? Oh, cool. I found this fascinating as a internet uh, talking yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatnot is actually really cool. And another thing that was just in the right place at the right time. It's basically the exp- explanation I use. Um, so, like, during the pandemic, and this is kind of what blew them up when I say right place, right time, is nobody could go shopping. Stores were closed. Um, it's basically like... During the pandemic, everybody started going on Facebook Live or Instagram Live and just kind of doing live sales from their stores. Like, this is what we got. You know, Mm -hmm. please help us stay in business. Whatnot is basically that taken to another level. It's like I I use the example. I say it's QVC kind of because it kind of is. But you go on the app um, and you go to your section. It's it's only for like nerd stuff. So like vinyl toys, Funko, trading cards, you know, stuff like that. Um, You click on your section and then you'll literally scroll through and there'll be channels. Um, And they're live at the time. And, you know, it might be like selling high-end pops, selling autograph pops, selling this, selling sodas. Like we're doing one tonight just for sodas. And you go on there and you watch. And it's literally like, hey, um, you know, this is the item we have up now. You can do buy it now. You can do auctions. Um, and there's a chat box. People can talk. So it's really fun. We play music in the background. People ask questions kind of like you are now. Like, hey, what's it like traveling to this convention? And you're like, you know, while the auction's running, yeah, this is how it is. And um, you, you can do really well. And you're reaching – there's a lot of people that maybe don't want to leave the house uh, or can't or they don't have a big convention in their area or, you know, um, they're looking for rarer stuff, which they can find on there. And so it's pretty cool. Sometimes people will overpay for stuff uh, because they just get caught up in it, just like on eBay when yeah, people yeah, yeah. are in a bidding war or something like that. That happens, too. Sometimes stuff goes for a lot less than it's worth. So it's kind of a balance. But um, it, it, it is a really good source of income. They've been asking us for two years to do it. And we were just so busy. I just never got to it. And then it really got a lot more refined during the pandemic. And obviously, again, during the pandemic, everyone's home with nothing to do and money in their pocket. So they're just like they got addicted to it. And now it's kind of replaced. I know a lot of stores that stopped doing conventions because they can just sit at home and do a whatnot stream once or twice a week and supplement the income that they were getting from the convention, sell the same stuff and not be on the road for half the half their life, you know. So if uh, <coughs> if that sounds appealing, how do they find you on whatnot? Uh, so yeah, you just go on and you search, um, just like you would on any other app. Um, our name is Undiscovered Realm, no space, R E A L M Realm, and uh, also on Instagram and our website is UndiscoveredRealm.com. Um, you know, we keep it simple, <laughs> and uh, you can follow us on there. Um, but uh, we just started whatnot about two weeks ago, but it's been great so far. We're really looking to um, to uh, grow grow it. So please follow us if you are on the app. Thank you so much, Chris. No, thank uh, you. Good it's luck it's on really the fun. Anytime.
Thank All you. Right. You heard it here, folks. It is, like any other business, a stressful, complicated thing. Well, there you have it. Uh, thank you so much again, Jake, for that fabulous interview for Hitting the Streets. Thanks for leaving the house, to be honest with you, because I, I haven't done it in quite some to. time. I needed to so badly. <laughs> What does the sun feel like these days? Uh, it makes your bones stronger, Holden. Did you know this? Did you know uh, your bones get stronger? I love my weak craggle bones. Uh, so I will not I will not be facing this anytime soon. Uh, thank you for joining us as well, dear listeners. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to support us further, check us out on patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Weekly bonus episodes for just $5 a month. And on the $15 level, Lair, you can join us for our Sunday study sessions over at the Whisper Discord, where we, you know, study whatever we're doing that week. Uh, you know how it goes. We just hang out, talk about it, watch it, read it. Well, we don't usually do group readings, but whatever. You get the point. Join us over there. Patreon.com forward slash Whizbrew. Also, check me out. I stream on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. That's Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Monday, Tuesday, Friday streams. Jake! Follow me on Twitter at BestJakeYoung. And hey, 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 you, hey, you. Check out Puppet Jared. It's my VTuber channels on Twitch and YouTube. The flagship stream is uh, Cartoon Dumpster Thursdays, where we watch weird, bad, befuddling cartoons from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And we just uh, rip the shit out of them. It's a very good time. I think if you enjoy this show, the community over there would be welcome to have you. So, uh, yeah, Puppet Jared on Twitch and YouTube. All right. Never and always and never. And always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on whizzing. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.